Welcome to the podcast of Life Change Church, where we exist to love people to life change. We hope that this podcast is both challenging and encouraging to you. Enjoy the message. Well, hey, welcome to Life Change Church. We're excited that you are with us this morning. We are starting a new series called Stories. Every July we do this. Um, none of that stuff worked in first service, so I jumped the gun a little bit. But I want to talk about that video with the killer whale and the penguins for just a second. Because that's actually why, that's why we do this series called Stories. Because life is better together. And sometimes the enemy likes to isolate us and get us apart. But through this series, Stories, you have an opportunity to hear about God's work in people's lives that you know. And so with that, please welcome Chris and Sonia Lindner. Kind of the main verse for this series, if you have your Bible or version, uh, download the version Bible app. There's that plug. So this set is Psalm 75, verse 15 through 18, and it says this. My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation, all the day, for their number is past my knowledge. With the mighty deeds of the Lord God, I will come. I will remind them of your righteousness, of yours alone. O oh God, from my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, O oh God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your mighty deeds to another generation, your power to all that come. And so that's why we're here today. Chris and Sonia are going to tell us a little bit about their story and of the mighty deeds of God in their life. So Sonia, why don't you go ahead and share with us a little bit of your family history? Okay, I was uh, born in October 12, 1968. My dad was stationed in Lawton, Oklahoma. He was uh, in basic training, uh, getting ready to be shipped to Vietnam. And uh, so uh, we came back, and that picture was taken just a few weeks before he left. And mom uh, stayed in Springfield with her. She bounced between her family and his family, and... uh, so dad was in radio repair and communication, so he had access to lots of tapes, and so he would record messages and send them to my mom, and then she would record and send them back, and of course lots of letters too. And uh, so I grew up uh, those first, first you know, few months as I got older listening to a tape recorder of my dad, and so that was daddy. So uh, when he did come home, I didn't like him very much. <laughs> I was sleeping with my mom, and of course I went to another bed, and, uh, and this strange man was hugging on my mom. <laughs> so he worked really hard to create a connection with me because it just broke his heart, and, uh, uh, and that connection, of course, remained uh, and still remains, even though he, I did lose him uh, a couple years ago. Um, so, uh, so after he came back from Vietnam, we moved around because he was stationed in different places, still in the army, and uh, then he got out, and then they went back to Springfield with family. And uh, so at that time, um, he uh, he and mom knew things were a little rough in the marriage. Um, Dad grew up going to church. Um, 
his grandparents uh, went to a church and uh, his grandfather was the bell ringer. It was a church in the country and he would ring the bell every Sunday. And uh, so uh, there was a revival. So mom and dad decided to go and they both got saved and uh, really turned the direction of our family at that time. And uh, so my brothers were added and uh, so had a great, great childhood. My mom loved being a mom. Uh, you know, and uh, she uh, was just, you know, we got a camper, redid the camper, traveled. She took, they took us across country and just did all that. Um, and then probably about 13 is when I got saved. Um, I had lost a friend, and I remember laying in bed um, wondering where he went. You know, was he ready? Did he go to church? I don't remember him saying he went to church. And and just, you know, thinking, I want to go to heaven, you know, and I want God in my heart. So I remember, you know, kneeling down on my bed that night and praying. And it wasn't probably until I got into high school um, and seeing my friends that I had grown up with um, through elementary and just um, start making bad choices for their life and that we're going to impact them for the rest of their life. And I'm thinking, I don't want that. You know, I want God to be the center of my life. I've, there's too many decisions that I'm looking towards that are going to need to be made that I want I want God a part of that. And, of course, one of those was a was a good hubby. And uh, so... We'll get to that part in a little <laughs> bit. So, but kind of cool story, right? So don't miss what Sonia said. Her parents knew that, that something wasn't necessarily healthy, and they made a deliberate, purposeful choice to change the trajectory of their family. And then you also, you know, see mom and dad model this change. And as a teenager, realize, hey, I'm hanging out with some people. I don't know, you know, that that's necessarily the path I want to go down. You made a conscious, intentional choice to then change the trajectory of your life. Yes. Um, don't miss that, church. And parents, don't miss that. Model Christ for your kids. Chris, go ahead and share what life was like for you in the early days. So I was born in North Carolina. That's where my mom's family is from. Um, I was born in North Carolina a few years before Sonia had been or before Sonia was born. Just a few, just a few. Um, and uh, pretty normal childhood for the most part. Played little league as a kid. Um, was in music. Uh, got the music part from my mom. My mom played piano and organ. I took some piano lessons and then ended up playing trumpet for a while. Um, Playing trumpet in the marching band in the summer with braces is not fun, just in case you're curious about that. Um, but uh, those were good times. Uh, it was, did a lot of art stuff. I got that from my dad. My dad was the more artistic type. Um, so I was on the yearbook uh, team at school and did the cover for the yearbook and different illustrations and stuff. And uh, it was a pretty normal childhood for the most part. Um, Got saved when I was six years old. Um, it just, it wasn't, I, I didn't spend, I didn't get into a lot of trouble as a kid. It just wasn't something I was interested in. And it wasn't, uh, I didn't hang around with kids that would influence me that way, I guess. And we've always kind of told our kids, choose good friends. Uh, they're so powerful in, in, in influencing what you do. Just make good choices in friends. Um, and, of course, then we moved, in high school, we moved to, Virginia, and I was on 160-acre farms, so I had no friends but my mini bike and my dog. 
Um, and but those were good good times as well. Um, so high school. Um, after high school, I did become a youth leader for a few years, and that's where I met Bill Weaver, uh, Bill and Pat, and uh, would come up to church camp here in, in Newark over on Cedar Street, the big round white tabernacle, God's Acres. Um, so I would meet them occasionally. So that's kind of... So then you go to, you go to Oklahoma I, State, I went right, to, yeah, college. I went, I went to college at Oklahoma State to be a draftsman. I uh, always wanted to do something drawing-related, so I studied drafting, um, got introduced to computers while I was there, so everything was computer-aided drafting from that point on, uh, and I still do, I still do, do that today. Um, you do it for life change, right? You work I on do a some lot of our graphics graphic and, yeah, arts. Yeah, yeah. So during that time, still coming, I would still come back to Newark occasionally for their camp meeting, um, and... Happened to meet this girl at yeah. one of those camp meetings. So you go to camp. Sonia, you're at this time 16. Yes. You know of this guy, Chris. He already said he was born a little earlier, tw 21 and 16, <laughs> right? What happens? Well, I started going to church camp up here when I was 13. Uh, our youth would take a bus, and we would, we would come up. And uh, they had a, a girl's dorm, and that's where I met Pat. She was dorm mom. And uh, so, uh, yeah, so that was in 1984. It was a winter camp when uh, we uh, first went out. How did it go when you had the conversation, Mom, there's this guy that I kind of dig, but well, he's 21. My parents <laughs> came up to pick me up. And uh, my mom walked in, and I said, Mom, I met this guy. And uh, she goes, do you have makeup on? Well, us girls weren't allowed to wear makeup at that time. Uh, and, and, you know, and us girls in the dorm would actually sneak makeup, and we would, you know, try this and try that, you know. So I did, but I told her I didn't. But anyway. Um. So the takeaway, Sonia's a liar. <laughs> that was another. Right. I did confess that later. I said, Mom, I did have some makeup on. But um, I said, no, I met this guy. And, and so she kind of knew of him. And she's like, isn't he older? And I was like, well, yeah. I said, don't tell Dad. I said, you know, I said, he's in college in Oklahoma. You know, we're just going to write. This probably won't even work out anyway. So there's no sense of getting him upset. <laughs> So but what, uh, what steps did your mom take to make sure Chris was a dateable guy? Well, after a couple months when she realized, okay, he's calling, she's writing, you know, back and forth, and then it was like she did a background check on him. <laughs> this was before the Internet, so she was calling pastors, and, ex and I, she might have even called you guys. I don't, I don't remember, but I know she called quite a few people to check in to see who this guy was and yeah. So you go back in to spite of that. <laughs> go back to Oklahoma State and then what does long term dating look yeah. like in the eighties, right? Because no smartphones. Right. No, oh, like, yeah. So we wrote like? we wrote lots of letters, obviously. Um, kept Hallmark in business. We kept Hallmark in business. Um, I've got we still have all those letters actually or, or Hopeless romantic. We ha we have to uh, we're, at some point, we're going to have to go through and redact some of those in case our kids find them someday. That yeah. <laughs> um, could be. On our 15th, he, he surprised me, and we had gone away, and he brought the box of letters and dumped them on the bed, and we sat there and just read, you know, and yeah. it was kind of neat to see. That's fun times. So we would, we would call once a week, 
we would call on Friday night after 11 o'clock when the rates dropped. Yeah. <laughs> that was 11 o'clock so, Oklahoma time. 11 o'clock Oklahoma time. Which it was midnight our time and so mom and I would she she would make a cup of coffee for us and we would sit at the kitchen table and talk until the phone rang and then she would slip off to bed and And so, by this time dad knew and what did he say? Just answer the phone on the first ring. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like okay. <laughs> so you graduate college. Yeah, so during that during that time when we were dating, long distance dating, you know, I would continue to come back to the camp meetings here and and Bill was the dorm dad for the the guys dorm. Pat was the dorm. So we can't really say that Bill and Pat are matchmakers, but we could say that they're match enablers. <laughs> be because they did let us stay out past curfew. A, a couple a, times. A time or two. So. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, yeah. Um, after college, I uh, decided, you know, it's like my parents were living in Maryland at the time. It's like, well, where do I want to move? And I had made a lot of friends here in Newark through camp meeting. And I was like, well, I'll just come to Ohio. Uh, it's not too far from her and that might work out and so I came to Ohio in pursuit of a career. <laughs> a career, not Sonia, a career, right? So you move here, you date for a while, like hey maybe we should check out other interests. Well it was, you know, it was new, a new pool of, uh, of options when I moved to Newark. So yeah. I, so I told him, I said, that's fine. I said, I'm just not going to wait on you. So I just went out with his best friend. <laughs> <laughs> and then what? So you're like kind of dating other people. And you're like, wait a second. Yeah, when, she's, when she was dating my, my friend, it was like, oh, that's not going to work. We so. Need, so. I can date, yeah. you may not. Right, right, right. <laughs> right. So you get back so together. So we got back together and then and decided to get married. And, yeah. So then I pulled her away from Springfield uh, to here, here to Newark. And, and I moved to Newark away from family, and I only knew Bill and Pat and Tanya Bergenthal. And so uh, he worked in Columbus, and I didn't have a job at the time. So Tanya would get off work at 4.30 and come pick me up and make me drive around Newark so I could, you know, know where stores were and stuff. Because this was before GPS, and, and I didn't have a cell phone to call. Hey, I'm lost, and how do I get back to the apartment? So, uh, yeah, and then one, one day we, I ended up driving the wrong way on Hudson, you know, and she's screaming at me, you need to turn around, you know, this is the one way. And it's like, ah. So we had a lot of, lot of memories doing that. So Yeah, so kind of cool. You're hearing the stories of Bill and Pat and how much of a heavy influence they were in your life. We talked about Kevin and Tanya in first service. We'll talk about that more in a little bit. But you're building your careers. You buy your first home. You have a plan for life. Plan for life. I get a job at Dow Chemical. Uh, I had a three-year contract, and so on my first day or orientation, I was meeting all the ladies in the lab, and and one one of the ladies who I became friends with later, she was like, "Don't drink the water around here. Three of us are pregnant." I was like, "Oh, we have a plan." <laughs> and uh, nine, nine months nine months <laughs> later, we named our plan Travis. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, had a plan, boom, there's Travis. And then yeah. uh, three years after that... We added Jess. Jess, and, so you're living uh, in a small house in what? We decided to get a different house, and we um, found the house. It was perfect for us, and put an offer in, and uh, put ours on the market. It's, it sold, and so, I don't know, we were a couple, we had, we get a call from the, our realtor and said that the uh, couple wanted to back out. Uh, the gentleman got sick, they got scared and didn't want to move. And so we were without a house and ours, uh, we were 
you know, it was, was sold. And so we had two weeks to find a house, you know, or we were going to have to have plan B. So we looked at 26 houses in two weeks. And this was before Zillow. And we had like one little sheet with just a few specs and maybe one picture of the house. So we were trying to remember what house had what. And it was just very overwhelming. And I remember crying one night and I was like, why did, why, that was the perfect house for us. You know, why did this fall through? And I just got this piece that is like, just trust me, I have something better. And it's like, okay. So we get a call from the realtor and he's like, hey, there's this house that's getting ready to come up. And uh, he said, you might, might want to take a look at it. And he started, you know, rattling off what, what the house had. And I, I told him, I said, this is the house. And it was the perfect house for us to raise our kids in. We were there for 17 years and and can't imagine now, you know, looking back at the other house, you know, oh, this one was so much better. And and uh, so trust, be still, wait. <laughs> yeah, so cool moment. God was faithful. And then you had have another situation, right? Right. We had uh, spring break uh, 2011, you said? No, 2001. 2001, yeah. 2001, spring, coming back from spring break. We were pulling a camper and uh, through West Virginia and rolled the camper, as you can see. And, uh, you know, the kids, the kids weren't in seatbelts. They had been laying down in the back seats, taking a nap. So they, were, they weren't in, in seatbelts, um, but there was no injuries. Uh, I think we landed in the only flat spot in West Virginia. And uh, <laughs> we were off the road, so we weren't stopping traffic and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, it, there... There's no explanation for why we came through that without any any injuries at all, yeah. except to know that the hand of God was with us. Yeah, the highway patrol that uh, actually came to take the statement, he said, you know, he asked the kids, did you guys have your seatbelts on? And, of course, they looked at me, and I said, tell the truth. No. And they said no. And he, he looked at me. Of course, I'm sobbing, you know, and, and he said, I've picked kids out of trees, you know, you know, and he said, so that you guys are so fortunate that, you know, there was, you know, nothing that happened this time. So, so from then on, they had to wear their seatbelts all the time. <laughs> <laughs> New rule. Well, hey, man, that's fantastic. And, and just like you said, Chris, absolute hand of protection of God, you know, on your family. Um, we've seen your faithfulness to God, God's faithfulness to you. Um, but life's not always perfect, right? Sometimes we go through some pretty deep valleys. Sonia, why don't you talk a little bit about one of the valleys you and Chris had to walk through? Well, um, you know, you get going with life and, and you kind of fall into a routine and kind of let your guard down and things are going good. And he was traveling and teaching and we shared a computer. And so I was in the office at home and he was on the West Coast and, uh, I uh, was doing some research or something, and I, I stumbled onto a couple images that um, were very inappropriate. And I just, you know, remembered this sinking feeling like, oh my goodness, okay, what do I do with this? And of course, you know, West Coast time, you know, time difference, we couldn't really talk. And of course, he knew something was wrong when he had checked in. And so I finally, you know, let him know what I had found. And, you know, he kind of downplayed it a little bit. And then we kind of talked. He said, well, when I get home, we'll talk about it. So um, I had some time to think and just kind of pray and, and uh, him as well. And so we uh, talked, prayed, cried, all that. And so we thought, okay, we're good. We're good. 
So then um, we kind of went on and wasn't too long after I found another few more things and confronted him. We did the same thing, you know, cried, prayed. Okay, we're good. And uh, then I think the last time it was just like I had had it. I was just like screaming at him. I said, I can't compete with that. You know, I said, you know, you've got to make a decision. You know, what do you want? Because you, you know, you can't have me and this and because I won't share. And so, and I knew, you know, even though this was, this was just the beginning stages of a bad road, I knew it needed to be nipped, you know. And so um, he decided, okay, we need, this has been kind of our secret. We, ne we didn't talk to anybody about it. We need light on the situation. So he called Bill and started some counseling and set up some accountability. And I talked to, he gave me permission to talk to, um, I might have talked to Pat a little bit and Tanya, I know, and then just kind of, you know, set up a plan. And this was kind of before filters were added and different things, it just kind of, you know, try to set, set up for success. And then, and then it kind of broke that service. There was a service at church that was so sweet. And he was singing in the choir, and he stepped forward. And I remember standing out in the congregation, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what, what's he going to say? And he basically confessed it to the congregation and asked for forgiveness. That this was something that he had struggled with, and, and uh, it was kind of like the, well, we said the chains were broken, you know. Yeah, so kind of cool. And I didn't even think about this in the first service, but as we're talking through this again, you know, Chris, one of the things that you said was your parents taught you to choose your friends wisely because they're such a positive influence or negative influence in your life. You've raised your kids that way. Now here we are talking about the Weavers, talking about Bergenthans, people that literally have journeyed through life with you. Now you're in this crossroads of difficulty. Who do you go to? Your friends who are a positive influence in your life. So tell us from your perspective, you know, what broke for you? What was the turning point? Yeah, I, so that that confession uh, that I made was was kind of a risk, I guess. I mean, the church that we went to was very much once you're once you're saved, you don't sin. You're a Christian. Christians don't sin. Um, and so, and we were also at that time we were we were teaching the young married couples Sunday school class. So to come out and and make that. Uh, admission was was taking a chance, but I, those things never crossed my mind. Uh, it, at the, at that time, it was like this needs to be exposed. I ran across a quote the other day by Mother Teresa that said, "We're only as sick as our secrets," and that really hit a nerve with me. Um, that uh, it's it's those it's it, it's the secrecy, it's the 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 hiddenness that gives a lot of those things its power. And uh, it truly was, it, it truly did break the power of that, that draw, that strength that that had by, by just bringing that out and then exposing it at that time. Yeah. And we, when, when we were dating, uh, we ran through, thank you. <laughs> when, we, when we were dating, we ran through some uh, information about just planning for marriage and that type of thing. And one of the things they did was they sh they drew an, an illustration of a triangle on on the wall, and uh, they said you know you put God at the apex of that triangle and you put yourself on one corner and your and your mate on the other corner, and if the two of you commit to draw closer to God, 
you will by default become closer to each other. As that triangle gets smaller, as you draw closer to God, you can draw closer to each other, but not get any closer to God. All right, but that by drawing closer to God, you automatically are going to get closer to each other. We've always kind of used that as kind of a a visual uh, representation of what we strive for in our in our marriage. During that process, Sonny, you kind of took some steps, right? You had this realization of like, hey, man, Chris is looking at this, but I really want his attention on me. Right. And I remember in in one of our conversations, I said, I want your eyes on me. I want to do what I can. You know, sometimes the women at church, especially in the church that we grew up in, kind of let themselves go a little bit because divorce wasn't an option. So they, And I remember, you know, some of the ladies in our group would, kind of laugh and say, well, you know, he stuck with me, you know, so as she was eating her pie, you know, and it's like, no, I didn't want to do that, you know, <laughs> I want to do what I can to, you know, make sure that, you know, your eyes stayed on me, you know, not only just outwardly, but inwardly. Yeah, and so cool, cool, right? The book of James tells us that we're, our, our sin is a product of our own lustful thoughts, right? And so Chris is consumed with these thoughts, his eyes come off of Sonia, come off of God. They're, he's entertaining his sin. Sonia's like, hey, man, woohoo, over here. Look, I want you to look at me. But it wasn't until Chris's focus was placed on God that everything came into focus, right? Mm-hmm. Um, super cool part of the story. Um, once we place our, our sight and our vision on God, just like you said in that triangle, then everything comes into focus. Um, you guys have always had a passion uh, for other couples. Tell us how you're serving uh, right now and how you're pursuing your passion. Yeah, we have. I mean, even when we were dating, uh, we talked then about wanting a marriage that other couples could look up to. It was just one of those things that we talked about. Uh, this is what we would like to have. And uh, at that time, we agreed that the word divorce would not be in our vocabulary. Now, we left other words in the vocabulary, but divorce was not in the vocabulary. Um, and it was just it was just a, a commitment. And so as a result of that, you know, we would be purposeful, intentional about uh, dating or continuing to date. Um, you know, she was very good about being willing to leave the kids to spend time with me uh, for a weekend or whatever. And, and I was always grateful for that. And that that the fact that when we would do that, she wasn't constantly going, I wonder what the kids are doing. I wonder if they're okay. It was just like she was willing to, she was able to focus on us and on me at that time. Um, So we still do premarital counseling now. Um, We're, there's an organization called SIMBUS, Save Your Marriage Before It Starts is an acronym, SIMBUS. And we're certified facilitators for that and we like premarital counseling because it keeps reminding us of what we're not doing and things we need to to, to do we we do still have like what we call checkup dates and you know sometimes they can go really well and sometimes they can go kind of like not much of a date not much of a date but it gives us something to kind of okay we need to work on that we'll pray about it you know whatever but um yeah both still have influences of the weavers bergen things talk like hey man like walk together right? Yes. Walk through life, yes. just like the, the penguins on the iceberg. Yeah. You know, life is better um, together. One of the favorite, my favorite parts of your story is like, from the beginning, you had purposed yourselves to have this example of a marriage, but 
life is full of hardships, but you're still stayed the core still. And now you use that in the way that you influence other couples. Like, hey, man, we went through a really tough spot, yeah. but we made it because we stayed committed. And one thing, you know, if, if anyone's gardened any, you know that, you know, if you let the weeds go, they will choke out any life, any fruit that you were hoping to get. So, and even if you let the, you see the weed and you think, oh, it's just small, um, I'll let it go for now. But then by the time you do go to pull it out, it does it, the potential to damage the, the plant that it's by. So, you know, for us, it's like, you know, any, any little weed that's coming up, we need to get it out, you know, get it out so that we can have fruit. Yeah, that's right out of Mark 4, right? The parable of the soils, the cares of this world, choke it out. They're like weeds. Um, finally, you've got some pretty exciting news coming in the fall. What's happening? We're going to be grandparents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> super, super exciting, right? So yeah. now you have this opportunity. You guys have talked a lot about your Christian heritage and lineage and ancestry. Now you have that opportunity to pass that down again. So. Right. I remember reading a quote that said, we are all ancestors to generations yet to come. And that has become even more powerful to me, knowing that there's a grandchild now, that I, that I am an ancestor to somebody that I haven't met yet and may never meet, depending on how many generations long I'm able, I'm able to see that. And, and looking back, realizing that there were decisions made of my ancestors that have put me where I am today. And the verse, one of the verses that I, is one of a favorite of mine, and uh, it simply asks the question, I think it's 1 Corinthians 4, 7, it simply asks the questions, what do you have that you didn't receive? And I'm going, not much. I mean, I, did, I, didn't, I didn't have anything to do with who my parents married that they married each other. That's an interesting story sometime. I didn't have any influence over that. I didn't have any influence on this, the country I was born in, the color I was born. I didn't have any influence over any of that stuff, right? There's so much stuff that I didn't, you know, she didn't have influence over. I didn't have influence over her parents getting married and her being born. And just so many things that I had no control over, but God had his hand in that. And we're just grateful and humble as a result of that. Well, amen. Super cool. And just, just again, we just like people to let, let people know that we are normal people. Is, just, we, have, we have been to Normalville, Pennsylvania. There is a Normalville, Pennsylvania. And uh, we fit right in. Well, Chris and Sonia, thank you so much, really, for the honor, uh, for me, for helping tell you your story to Life Change Church. Um, it's been a privilege and a blessing. Hope you guys have been encouraged. But what specifically can we pray for this morning? Can Life Change Church be in prayer for the lenders? Probably the, the big thing for us right now is with the, the economy the way it is. I lost my job back in, in March, and so that's been kind of a challenge. And somebody said to me the other day, we're going to pray that you get a job. And I said, no, just pray that I get some money. I don't need it. I don't need a job. I just, yeah, it's just, so, but no, it, it's, uh, God is providing and continues and you know his track record's pretty good i i think he'll i think he'll be he'll come through again this time um so that's probably the the uh and just continue to be faithful with our influence on, on other people cool and well, let me pray a prayer of blessing over you guys
Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit. I thank you for Chris and Sonia for their willingness to get up here and just to share their story and to know it's not it's not even about them. It's about you. It's about your faithfulness. It's about your ability to sustain them um, because they trust in you. It's their declaration of your goodness. Um, and I just thank you for their willingness to, to declare your glory, Lord. Still doing it, right? Still influencing young couples, still pointing them in the direction of Christ, still walking closer to you. And as they get closer to you, um, they get closer to each other. God, I pray um, that you provide the perfect opportunity for Chris where it doesn't seem like work. It doesn't seem like it's just a job, but it's a dream opportunity um, and and that you provide for them through this. And then, God, we do pray for for their grandchild that is coming soon, for Trav, for um, Leah. God, just bless them. Protect Leah. Keep her safe. Keep the baby safe. And then someday that baby is going to be an ancestor to ancestors, and they're going to stand and say, my heritage is Christ because my parents made a choice, because their parents made a choice, because their parents made a choice to honor God, to change the direction of our family heritage. We thank you for that. We give you the glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, Chris and Sonia, thank you guys so much for sharing with us this morning. We appreciate you guys. Um, just kind of as we wind down service, I just want to remind you just you know, kind of a couple of things. You know, Sonia said very early, our lives were going in a, in a direction that my parents didn't want, and they chose to make a change. And so if that's you this morning, you're struggling, you don't know, like the direction your life is going, listen to Sonia's story. Her parents chose to make a change. I want to encourage you, you can make a change today. You can choose today to follow Jesus Christ. There's a response card in the seat back in front of you. You can pull that out. You can mark, I want to follow Jesus Christ, and I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. Um, when Chris and I were chatting, we were preparing for today, he said, Daryl, I don't, I don't really have much of a story. I've followed Christ literally my whole life. And yes, he's had moments of humanity. We all do. Um, but he said, I, I never went through that conversion experience. I never had like the, the Saul to Paul moment. Um, you know what? It still takes the same amount of saving power of Jesus Christ to save a guy that's literally been in the church his whole life as it does the one who did have that Saul to Paul experience. And maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you did grow up in the church and, and sometimes you don't feel like you have a story. I want to share one of my favorite Psalms. And this is Psalms chapter one, verse one through three. And it says this, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. So friends, if, you, if you've grown up in the church, you've grown up in Christ, you choose Christ, don't be ashamed of your story, friends. God is just as much at work in your life as he is in the one who had that Saul to Paul experience. So you can reach into the seat back in front of you, pull out that card. If you want to receive Christ for the first time, mark yes. And then there's also some next steps on there. Maybe you are in a crossroads like Chris and Sonia were experiencing. 
Maybe you need a Bill and Pat Weaver or a Kevin and Tanya Bergenson to walk next to you, to encourage you. Moses, we look at his story when he was in the battle. His arms were falling. He had men to lift him up. Why? Because we're better together. Maybe it's you need to join a life group. You can mark that on the card as well. Or maybe you are in a position to be a Bill and Pat or a Kevin and Tanya. Maybe you need to, to have a conversation with somebody in your life that you know is struggling. <coughs> Excuse me. You know they're at that crossroad. Find the courage to go help them. Find the boldness to go rescue them. Find the faith to point them back to Christ. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and through the power of the Holy Spirit. God, I thank you that uh, you are a preserver, and I also thank you that you are a restorer. There's two kinds of testimonies, Lord. There's a testimony like Chris where you've just preserved him. And then there is a testimony where you have a saw to Paul where you restore. <clears throat> Both are just as powerful. Both are your power on display. And so, God, I pray for that one right now, whether in this room or, or on, on video, that needs that conversion, that does not like the direction of their life, that's experiencing hopelessness, that needs change. <clears throat> Holy Spirit, I pray that you speak to them in this moment. Let them find their hope in you. Forgive them of their sin, I pray, God. Come into their life and be their director. And then, God, I pray for the one who's following you now. <clears throat> Maybe at a crossroads. Maybe they've fallen into their own desires and they need help to get back on the path. God, I pray that you give them the courage and the boldness to stand up like Chris did in that sanctuary and say, hey man, I need help. I'm tired of suffering. I need help, God. And then I pray that there will be people around them to help. And then I pray for helpers, Lord. Maybe somebody in this room knows somebody that's struggling. God, I pray that you give them the strength to be the helping hand. And God, none of this is for our attention, but all for your glory, that you might be magnified and glorified. God, I pray for our community, for Licking County. God, I pray that during the pandemic and all of the racial tension that we're experiencing right now, God, I pray that the church will arise and represent Jesus Christ. We love you. We thank you. We give you the glory. It is in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Life Change Church podcast. If you were here today and you were listening and you made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to hear about it. Or maybe you're here and you're listening and that God is asking you to make the next step with whatever that it is in your life. We would love to hear about it and partner up with you. If you would, go to www mylifechangechurch.com and under the media section please fill out the contact us information and let us know if you made a decision to follow Christ let us know what God is asking of you and if you need prayer we would love to partner up with you in prayer as well we hope that you enjoyed the podcast and that it both encouraged and challenged you have a great week